the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. politics, politics, history, history, and current events. Current events. And now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will not be hosting today's program. Ed Bondarenka will be filling in as today's host. In the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. The Detroit Tigers pummeled the San Diego Padres 12-4 this past Monday. Eric Haas belted a grand slam homer to plate Willie Castro, Riley Green, and Miguel Cabrera. Javier Baez hit a sacrifice fly and doubled to send home Harold Castro twice. Baez scored on a wild pitch by Mackenzie Gore. Jamer Candelario crushed a solo bomb and a two-run moonshot to plate Jonathan Scope. Willie Castro was sent home on a ground ball off the bat of Robbie Grossman, and Miguel Cabrera smashed a solo four-bagger to complete the Tigers' scoring. Will Vest earned his second win of the 2022 season out of the Detroit bullpen after recording a pair of strikeouts and one and two-thirds innings of work. Now, here's your Moment of Clarity host for today's program, Ed Bondarenka. Hi, folks. Welcome to the show. What a surprise. So, Pastor Rick is either doing some roofers or he has a case of the shingles or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but he won't be joining us today. Uh, so I'm taking over the show. It's a two-hour show of your American heritage. Actually, Phil isn't here either, which is kind of discouraging. So it's just Derek, me, and you. And, oh, my, we have a caller. Derek, is somebody on the phone? Well, let's put that person on. Hi, mystery caller. Who are we talking to? Actually, you do have a mystery caller. You have two. You have Tudor Dixon and Matt DiPerno with me. Oh, really? Matt's with you? Well, that's great. That's that's excellent. We've had Matt on the show before. I'm pretty certain about that. It's been a while. Probably do it again soon. Wait a yeah, minute. Hello. How are you doing? Real good, Matt. Good to talk to you again. Thank you. You haven't been on this show. That's why I'm confused. You were on Your American Heritage. This is at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoons. Short plug for my show. So you guys are traveling together. And, Tudor, I have a question for you. Have you had any major endorsements lately? You know, we had one last night, a guy that you may have heard of. Um, his name is President Donald Trump. <laughs> He's a rather establishment figure. Is that another establishment figure that's endorsed you? You know, I don't <laughs> think that he's seen that way. I think that um, we are we are feeling really good about having the president come in. I'm very honored to have him come into this race. And it's a great group of people that have been endorsed by President Trump. And so we're very excited to move through the next few days and get to that primary. You well should be. You well should be. Congratulations on that. That's a master. That's a coup in the good sense of the word coup, not like uh, the other people do coups around here. So um, I, I'm having fun with the establishment uh, uh, claims against you, as you know. I'm, I'm just making fun of that. In fact, I don't know if you realize this. I let uh, your camp know this. The last time you were on my show, 
I believe you were behind like 20% on a Friday. Saturday, you were on my show. We went through the run run through of all the questions of, you know, to trying to discern whether you really were a an establishment candidate. And after you a- answered them all in what I feel was a, in a number of people said they were good questions and great answers. The following Monday, you were ahead by 11%. <laughs> well, that mu- that must there. be because of you. <laughs> yeah. Right. So congratulations. That's really good. Um, so you and Matt are, are saving car fare by, by, uh, traveling together. Well, we actually met out here. We're in a Taylor, Michigan right now. We're going to the Rick Ector shooting event. Um, it's technically for women, but Matt's coming as a support because, uh, you know, he is strong on, Second Amendment, and of course, strong on making sure people can defend themselves. But I'll let you talk to him about that for a second. Yeah, we're happy to be here. You know, Tudor is a great candidate, and uh, uh, she's going to do very well, I think, on Tuesday. Certainly, she's got the president's support now, and uh, that means a lot. Uh, it shows everyone that really it's time to come together, and I think that's the president's message. Um, and Tudor is strong on the Second Amendment, so I'm coming out here to to support her for that. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm 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 pro tutor at this point. My wife's a little bit ambivalent because she doesn't think she's come out in some of her campaign literature as strongly as some of the other candidates have. And I I think something about that has to do with trying to be electable after the primary so that you don't you know, you're not painted a certain way. Like when I asked, was the election stolen? And um, you know, the answer was uh the answer that Tudor had given was, well, illegalities were performed in order to gain the election. That way, you know, after the after the primaries, the uh, 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 Gretchen Whitmore camp can't come back and portray her as a wacko. So I understand these things. But my wife thinks I should ask you this question, Tudor. Do you denounce Satan and all his works? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm a strong Christian. I know that. Thank you. I, that's great. Uh, Pastor Rick says to say hi to both of you, particularly Matt. Uh, he's not on right now, but he just uh, texted in or called into Derek. Uh, I don't know if if we have Pastor Rick on the phone right now. Pastor Rick, you there? Obviously not. So, well, I appreciate I appreciate both of you calling in today, and that's great news. Uh, I think we've got a pretty good ticket going into this election with uh, with Matt, with you, with uh, Christine Caramo. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm just geeked about this. Um, well, we no, are, we are very excited point- about about the election. We're very excited about the general Dana Nessel. We we have a strong candidate here in Matt against Dana Nessel, and we have to make sure that we have Dana Nessel out of there, or we can't do the things that so many people want to do and investigate what happened while these women have been in office and make sure that we prevent this from ever happening again. So all three of these seats are very important. Christina will be able to come in and clean up the voter rolls, make sure that we have fair elections, and we can get those election laws through the legislature that passed last year that she vetoed and make sure that we have common sense election law in the state of Michigan. Oh, dear God, please let it be. Please, dear God. Yes, that's my prayer. Um, now, there are people who think that this election is going to be stolen also. Would you like to speak to that? 
you know, we have so many people in the state that are working to make sure this is fair. And you have to look at other states. When people are concerned about that, we were not prepared like we should have been in 2020 on our side. But states like Florida had a strong ground game. And we have a team coming in that not only had the strong ground game there, but has also trained with about 15 different agencies and different organizations in Michigan right now that are preparing to make sure that there can not be any fraud. But, I mean, there's always a maybe a certain amount of fraud. However, it will not be widespread fraud, and we will make sure that we eliminate as much as possible. We will have the boots on the ground. We have uh, the people that will be at the polls for sure. We used to, uh, in 2020, I think we had 5,000 poll watchers, but less than 200 were Republicans. So you have to understand there was a faith in the process because you hope that your election processes are secure and safe. We found that there were holes, and now we have the team out there to make sure that it is safe this time. But the Excellent. law is us, the, the most oh, crucial part. We've got to get the laws passed. Amen. Joining us is our co-host, uh, Phil Stargell. Phil, did you have any comments or questions? Oh, just a, a greeting, say uh, good afternoon, and uh, I, I come in a later uh, on the uh, conversation but I'll be listening, and uh, if I have a question, I'll join back in. Excellent. Thanks, Phil. So um, you guys are in Taylor right now? Yes. Yeah. I actually was looking for you at the breakfast at the 12th Congressional uh, Pancake Breakfast this morning. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see you guys there, so uh, missed that opportunity. However, I, I, um, I started my day at the Grand Rapids Gun Show. This is my um, wow. this is my day to go around and talk to men and women who want to be able to defend themselves. And so we're headed over to this women's training over here in the Detroit area to make sure that women are able to defend themselves and that they can that they will learn the correct way to use a weapon. Amen. That's so important. And it is self-defense. It's not Second Amendment issues. It's not guns. It's being able to defend oneself in any situation. And the way I feel about it in any arena, I'm, I'm tired of gun-free zones, to be honest with you. And I think that has to be something that uh, we prioritize going forward as possible. So, uh, and of course, you're both constitutional carry people. Yeah, we, we are. We both uh, care about constitutional carry issue. Um, and, you know, right now the, the Democrats continue to assault the Second Amendment and people's right to defend themselves. Uh, and that's going to end when we're elected. When I'm attorney general, we're going to stop uh, some of these lawsuits that Dana Nessel has instituted to uh, shut down people's right to defend themselves. And uh, they're going to be able to uh, enforce uh, the Second Amendment and, uh, you know, carry weapons in order to defend themselves. Amen. Amen. That's great. Um, so it's really good having both of you. I know when we talked earlier, uh, you said you were kind of limited on time. You got another interview to go into. I don't want to keep you from that unless, of course, you can blow them off and stay with us. Yeah, no, we've got to get going, but we love stopping <laughs> by. I appreciate that, especially since I got blown off by a guy I was going to have on my show and now I've got content to fill. So, yep, I understand being true to your word and that's great. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless both of you. God bless Michigan. America bless God. Thank you. God bless you as well. Thank you. Well, folks, that was Tudor Dixon and Matt DiPerno, 
our for our uh, um, um, future. Did I say former? It's because I'm tired. Our future governor of the great state of Michigan and attorney general, and things will change around here when that happens. Thank you, Jesus. So we have to work to make that happen. We have to put forth an effort. We have to present these candidates to our neighbors, to our coworkers, mention them, let them know what the issues are, how, where they stand, where you stand, and why. We need to have some good whys to answer the questions uh, of their whys. So thank you. So I went to this uh, breakfast this morning that uh, Joe uh, invited me to, uh, and my friend Martin Church uh, at, uh, oh, where were we? Come on, Ed. Romulus, that's the word, Romulus, and the 12th District Congressional Pancake Breakfast. I met a number of interesting people there today, and one of them was a guy running for Congress for the 13th District, and I think Derek is typing right now feverishly to tell me that he's on the phone. And if that's the case, no, Pastor Rick is here in the Wham studio and wants to come on the air. I, I got to say no. No, he can't. Nope. <laughs> what do you think, Phil? Should we let him on? Hey, I, hey, I just want to take the time in. Uh, I want to thank you, Ed, for covering the show today. My home studio right now sounds like... A construction site, because that's exactly what it is, um, have a whole new roof and everything else going on. But I, I had to stop in real quick uh, to say hi to uh, Matt and Tudor. Tudor, uh, I've been supporting you from day one. I uh, haven't wavered on that. And so, uh, and to Matt, Matt, I don't know if you remember me or not, but you and I met uh, a friend of mine who was uh, fired for having religious objections to the uh, to the vaccine, and I had a chance to meet you, Matt, at at one of his hearings, and uh, you did a wonderful job, and still doing a wonderful job, from my understanding. Yep, except both of them hung up just as you came on the air. <laughs> but we'll be sure to send them the podcast. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I love so, my audience enough to say that this still was not a waste of time. And so, <laughs> but I've got to get back and make sure that uh, they're, they're putting everything where they need to be on my roof. You know, you don't want the tar paper on top. You want the shingles on top and not on the bottom type thing. But uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, you're having shingles put on. I thought you had the shingles and we're doing roofers. That's not it, huh? No, and you're about to get fired. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Phil, how's your voice doing? You might have to take over the rest of the show. <laughs> I'm doing all right. How about you? Hey, I'm, I am I'm so good. I am so good. How good are you feeling? Taking me. So, hey, guys, I got to get back to work. I'll be back next week on Moment of Clarity. Um, just to let my listeners know, this is not a two-hour version of Your American <laughs> Heritage. This is a one-hour version of Moment of Clarity hosted by Your American Heritage host, Ed Bondarenko. How's that? Pretty good. All right. <laughs> you guys all have a blessed day, and I, I will be talking to you all next week. Bye-bye. All right. We'll see you. Thanks for checking in. All right, Derek, don't let him in again, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, now let me ask Derek a direct question. Do we have a caller? No. He's shaking his. Oh, no. He's. No, we don't. Okay. Well, I talked to a gentleman this morning. I 
told him to call in roughly this time. And uh, maybe there was some, I don't know, mix up about that. So that means that Phil and I have time to talk with you. 734-822-1600. Now, uh, as you can tell, uh, Pastor Rick has come out full support of Tudor Dixon. So congratulations. Uh, I Did you have a chance to ask, ask her, uh, is her understanding of of uh, the immigration thing. Uh, have we gotten to uh, border status yet on uh, oh. <laughs> immigration? No. I asked Ryan Kelly that last week when he supported an invasion of Canada. And <laughs> he said, no, Whitmer tried that already, tried sending heavy equipment across the bridge. <laughs> now, as, as for me, we still have a few more days until August 2nd, when we cast our vote in secret. And uh, I think there are reasons not to vote early. There are good reasons not to vote early. For example, uh, uh, Kevin Rinke, who is running for governor, who has a lot of supporters, came out on the uh, Charlie LeDuff interview a few days ago and said that even though he was for constitutional carry, that he would support background checks on private sales of guns between adult citizens, including long rifles. That's the kind of stuff that makes me go, nope, not my candidate. And so, you know, that's why I always wait until, you know, I mean, I, I support people. I supported Ryan Kelly. I have given him money and I've given him time on air. I've done the same thing with Tudor. I'm a little bit ambivalent, but I'm this point, because of electability issues, I'm really leaning heavily towards Tudor Dixon. You guys do what you want. You don't need my endorsement. What you need is information. And that's what we're providing here is information. Okay. So we've got a candidate on the air, uh, on the phone right now, somebody I personally know, a good guy, and his name is Martin Church. So, uh, Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ed. Uh, Thank you for coming out to the breakfast. I hope you had a good time. Um, it was good. I hope you enjoyed all the speeches. We had a had a great time. A good opportunity to meet future candidates and hopefully our new reps. So, Martin, what are you running for? I'm running for the 32nd House seat in Michigan, which is essentially Ypsilanti. And I'm running on a pro-God platform with a message of, it's time for us to do what God says. And that starts with prayer and relationship. Relationship with God, relationship with our community, relationship with our congregations. Whether you be Catholic or whether you be Baptist or Pentecostal, you've got to have a relationship. It's time for men to step up and be men, not to be a wishy-washy type person. I support the Proverbs 31 woman. And if you don't know what that is, sit down, read Proverbs 31. That tells you exactly what a woman should be. So I'm, and it's I'm not looking some, forward and it's to not doing what God Stepford says. Wife. It's not a Stepford wife, is it? No. Matter of fact, she does more than most guys today. Runs yes. a household, plants a garden, runs a business. A lot of work. Yep. 
Yep, exactly. You know, I I heard a guy speaking this morning at that breakfast, and and a wow, I like that. That guy's really good. And I turned around, and it was you. Now, I didn't know you could speak that well. It was, it was very well done, sir. Very well done. I just let the Lord put the words in my mouth. I don't know what I'm going to say. I had a two-page thing, and I didn't even follow it. Well, good job. Really good job there. So uh, you're running for the 30, 32nd District. And where does that cover? That covers all of Ypsilanti. City, township. Wow. I think there's a little bit of Augusta and Superior, but not, not an awful lot. So it's mostly Ypsilanti. Okie doke. So, Martin, thanks for calling in. God bless you in your campaign. Uh, do you have anybody running against you in the in the primary? Officially, no. But I never count out a write-in candidate. The other side has a tendency to put up a candidate as a write-in, and then they shift their people over if there's no opposition on the top side to wipe out a strong candidate. So I never okay. write them off. All right, buddy. Good talking to you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for calling in. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. And, of course, on the phone, uh, de rigueur, uh, which means it's it's mandatory, is the ubiquitous Joe Leonard, author of Terror Strikes. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey. I wanted to ask Tudor if she's got a LG candidate picked, but it is early for that. We need to get to the primary, but I'm curious uh, who the LG candidate might be. Now, the LG candidate technically is picked by the convention. There will still be a September GOP convention, and they are the ones who pick the LG candidate. But it's always been a foregone rubber stamp conclusion that the governor candidate gets who they want. So, you know, I'm wondering if Chief James Craig would be open to that, because then after eight years of, say, Tudor Dixon and him as LG, we could see if I can trust him or not to actually vote for him in 2030, which at that time, I think he would have proven himself and I would be open to that. Whereas I really was leery of him this for governor this run. I was, I was leery of him until my interview with him. After my interview with him, I was really sold on him. And I thought he was the guy until the following Monday after my show, he's disqualified because of the, the invalid signatures on the petitions, as were the other candidates like Perry Johnson and a few others, Markey, I think. And, you know, I'm as for the lieutenant uh, uh, governor, I don't even know how influential the idiot who is, who's uh, Whitmer's. Uh, Lieutenant Governor. I can't even remember his name, tell you the truth. I just Gilchrist. know that he's a lefto wacko. Gilchrist. Yeah, that's right. You had to remind me. Thanks a lot. So. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, uh, hey, by the way, thanks for breakfast this morning. I appreciate that. Oh, hey, no problem. I'm glad you and Sheree could make it. And uh, 
you know, but it will be important who we have up against to do the one debate against Gilchrist because, of course, they'll be using him, propping him up for identity politics, and especially if she can't play the I'm a birthing person card <laughs> against the real mother Tudor Dixon as our nominee. Exactly, exactly. And I don't think Tudor Dixon care about whether anybody goes out on a boat, much less her husband. So, uh, <laughs> Joe, thanks for calling. We've, uh, I love you, brother. Take care. Up. God bless. Same here. Thanks a lot. Thanks for all you do. Well, folks, we got 30 seconds before we hit a hard break, and that means the music's starting to play. And that means I'm going to ask you to come back after the break for more of A Moment of Clarity. See ya. More with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering, on WAM. Ed Bondarenka is filling in for Pastor Rick today. He will be joining you momentarily. In the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports. The Detroit Tigers defeated the San Diego Padres 4-3 this past Wednesday. Jamber Candelario singled to plate Javier Baez to give the Tigers a 1-0 lead in the first inning but it quickly disappeared in the fourth inning when Harold Castro's egregious error led to a pair of unearned runs for the Padres. Detroit tied the game two innings later when Candelario singled to send home Castro before San Diego regained a 3-2 advantage in the seventh inning. Victor Reyes saved the day for the Motor City Kitties in the bottom of the ninth inning, when he smashed the game-winning double to score Akil Badu and Jonathan Scope to give the Tigers their 40th victory out of 99 games this season. Now, here's your Moment of Clarity host for today, Ed Bondarenka. There, I gave you that ding. And, of course, joining us is <laughs> is Phil. So, Phil, uh, thanks for joining us and uh, um, uh, helping with the show today. We had, oh, we had uh, Tudor Dixon on. We had Matt DiPerno on. We had Pastor Rick on for a bit, too. And uh, then Joe Lennard, uh, author of Terror Strikes, called in. And now we've got Tom from Detroit calling. And then we're going to take a call from a gentleman I met at breakfast this morning. So first, let's talk to Tom from Detroit. Hi there, uh, Ed. Um, you know, there's a question I've been uh wishing you had asked these candidates and basically my speculation is, is it's one of the reasons we have Gretchen Whitmer now uh because of uh Rick Snyder when you know the the uh Republicans uh managed to get through the legislature to get rid of the uh Michigan handgun registration and you know the premise was that you know most states don't have handgun registration Handgun registration does very little to prevent crime or solve crime. And, you know, in my opinion, registration is confiscation by another name. Uh, now, like I said, the, the bill went through the legislature, and, you know, miraculously there was one of those, um, 
you know, horribly emotional uh, school. It was some kind of a shooting, uh, some kind of a mass shooting. I think it may have been a school shooting. But, you know, and then all of a sudden, Rick Snyder backed down and would not sign it into law. And, I mean, I think that's where uh, Rick Snyder, the Republicans in general, lost a lot of support. And, that's how we ended up with Gretchen Whitmer, a Democrat, as opposed to uh, Bill Schuette, a Republican. And so I wanted—I was kind of hoping uh, you'd ask ask these candidates. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a it's a controversial question, but you know, what about the Michigan handgun registration? Does it make sense? I mean, do we really need this? And you know, I, well, I guess that's about yeah, it. Don't don't hang up. Don't hang up because okay. I was just thinking about this. This uh, assault weapons ban that's facing the Senate now, and this would affect you personally because you actually do own a grenade launcher, don't you? Uh, I I suppose I got you know I mean it depends how you define a grenade launcher. I suppose there's a, a basically a kind of a passive uh, grenade launcher on on some old SKSs and like the French MAS. It's basically just a. It's it's more looks more like a muzzle brake, and it you know uh, one puts a blank round in, right. and it, it basically fires. You know it can launch a grenade if you have the right adapters for it. It's not not like the uh, like the you know the U.S. Know. Uh, <laughs> the grenade launcher that fits under an M4. That's uh, well. It's, I, I would have liked to have asked that question, but like I was saying earlier, Charlie DeDuff basically asked that question of Kevin Rinke and asked him about registration. And Kevin uh, Rinke is all about background checks. I think background checks are a form of registration. There's certainly a database of people who are applying to buy weapons. So uh, that's pretty much a, a, a national registration. And, and I very much fear that. And I'm, I'm opposed to them myself. And I think anybody who is for constitutional carry as I think all the candidates, uh, the remaining candidates are, have said, therefore, constitutional carry. Once again, Rinky said that he was for background checks for private sales, particularly for long arms well, owners. I think, uh, I think MGO, MGO was uh, one of the ones that really put in a lot of effort, you know, talking and lobbying to the legislature to get rid of the Michigan, you know, the state registration. And then when Rick yep. Snyder just refused to sign it because of some, you know, emotional political kind of a play, and that's what Snyder it was a Democrat like to me. Snyder was uh, a Democrat. So thanks for calling, Tom. I appreciate it. But <laughs> Snyder was just a Democrat that was recruited to run as a as a Republican by a bunch of Ann Arbor businessmen, poor uh, Democrats themselves. That's sad. We'll do better this time. So let's see now. Uh, I asked a gentleman named um, um, Markel Bivings to call in. And I, I also asked, I asked him to call in earlier. And I also asked Dr. Richard Ziley to call in. And doc, they're both on the phone right now. And I hate to make one wait for the other. But first, I'd like to talk to Markel Bivings because uh, I asked him to call. So let's talk to him. Markel, How are you? There? How are you? Oops. I'm fine. Yourself and you are running for... Congress for the District 13, right? I am, yes, sir. I am running for U.S. Congress in Michigan 13. All right. So give us a quick elevator pitch. I'll let you know when we get to the 12th floor. Okay, perfect. Well, like I said, Martel Bivings running for U.S. Congress. I am an East Sider, uh, 
born and reared on the west side, went to Cody High School, then Howard University. I believe parents should have the right to choose where their children go to school. I think that's crazy that we've been talking about that. I'm a hardcore protectionist of our Second Amendment rights. I believe we need to be cutting our uh, national debt, lowering taxes, getting us back to home eating costs and oil prices of three years ago. These are some of the things I'm going to push. It's going to be a very hard, arduous uphill race as I am running in uh, one of the bluest districts in the country. But my, my former work as a business liaison, being on the ground, helping over 45 businesses to open, I know that there are more people in our district that believe in uh, conservative Republican ideas. I just have to talk to them and get in front of them and raise money. And I need people in the doors, people giving me a call and asking me about my issues to better understand where I stand and how I will fight for you. And once you see that, I just ask that you join the team. How is that? What floor are we on? 12th floor. Please step away from the door. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good Thank job, you. sir. Thank you. Thank you for I, inviting I, me. I enjoyed meeting you this morning and talking to you. I, I, you have a great tan. You, your, your tan reminds me of Phil Stargell here. So, uh, oh wow, you know. <laughs> well, uh, and he also is reminiscent of me on the political end of the spectrum. Uh, you, you say that uh, there is a, uh, a receptive audience. Uh, 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 voting block in that area, and uh, your chances might be pretty good. Oh, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. We just got to get the party out, we got to get the people who believe in these things, which are a lot of people out. So, uh, door knocking and several events. I want to have more events like the pancake breakfast, uh, this morning in Romulus. It was beautiful, yeah, and the weather was good too. All right, yes, Markel, sir. thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Uh, blessings to you, and uh, may all go well to you, and may you be one of the red wave as we take over Congress. Amen. Uh, the wave is coming. Thank you, brother. Be blessed. Same here, brother. All righty. Well, Lord, please help Markel in his quest to become a member of Congress to remove Pelosi from her seat of power. Thank you, Jesus. We have another guest calling in now, and I'm going to butcher his name because I never heard it this morning, and that would be Dr. Richard Ziley. Dr. Richard, pronounce your last name correctly for me, please. Pronounce it right, so thank you. Wow! As a guy who has my name butchered all the time, I thought uh, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd you know, get it wrong. So that's wonderful. So you were on the national... Well, for one thing, let's get things straight. Give me your bio. Well, I'm the pastor of St. John's Lutheran Church, a Missouri Synod congregation, for 21 years now in uh, Taylor, Michigan, uh, corner of North Line and Telegraph. Uh, I grew up in Highland Park. Uh, my parents sent me from public school to Lutheran High West in Detroit, and there we were more afraid of the teachers than we were of the bullies. And that has influenced my view of education ever since, because the teachers had much better plans for me than the bullies did back in the public schools. I then went to Valparaiso University in northwest Indiana, met my beautiful wife of 44 years there, and um, then uh, to, uh, came back and taught at Lutheran High, uh, got a master's from the Rackham School in education, uh, then went to Concordia Seminary of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, majored in worship, um, 
liturgics and such. I uh, was also able to do a master's in church history at the Harvard Divinity School in Boston, where I also interned. Pastor for five years in Indiana, or rather for five years in New Jersey, um, New, greater New York area. And then finally, with four young kids, I had to take a call back to Detroit where there were babysitters. I worked with, with Lutheran schools in the city of Detroit, and when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. I wrote a doctoral uh, uh, dissertation, a DMIN dissertation for Detroit's Ecumenical Theological Seminary on uh, parochial school closings in the decade of the 1990s. Um, helped organize yeah, a charter ahead. school in northwest Detroit, uh, the old Redford Academy, which is still in business 20 years later, and uh, eventually was elected to the Michigan State Board of Education. And I served on that board for eight years led the conservative opposition to the so-called bathroom bill, uh, which was adopted over our objections by the Democrat majority on that board. And I'm very hopeful that we will be able to replace two Democrats with Republicans this fall and um, at least have uh, parity on the board. When you have parity on the board, you can't undo anything, but you can stop bad stuff from being done. So I hope we can... Amen. The Democrats well, what the, good stuff. One of the things I like to focus on personally is is pastors who are politically active. For instance, uh, we have a mutual friend, Chris, uh, Pastor Christopher Toma. Uh, um, now the name of his church escapes me. I just knew it at breakfast with you this morning. Our Savior. Our yes, Savior our Lutheran Savior Church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. I don't have vitanitis. That's wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so... <laughs> and 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 uh, 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 Pastor Dr. Richard uh, joining us is Phil Stargell. Uh, he's in studio with us right now. That's that's he who you heard laughing. And uh, so, like I was saying, one thing that I'd like to see is pastors who are politically active on the conservative side. Because man, I I was just driving a few days ago down the street, uh, Harris Street here in town to Big Sky Diner, where I like to eat a lot too much. And uh, I passed this church that I never knew anything about them except it used to be, well, actually, it used to be a Lutheran church, but I know it's changed brands, it's changed hands. And there are all of these signs in the front lawn of this church for all these Democratic candidates, which is, as far as I'm concerned, a no-no, because you're not supposed to support a candidate, only a cause. Am I correct on that? Uh, yes. The short answer So, is as a... As a pastor or a church, you can endorse a a cause, uh, an issue. You can be pro-life. You can be pro-Second Amendment. You can be anti-government. You can be anything else. But you just can't name that candidate who stands for all those things. That's right, right? Well, it's a little more complex than that. There are some who argue, and I incline to support the argument, that, uh, th that these these restrictions, uh, which apply to nonprofit organizations, you see, nonprofit organizations are under the stricture. Uh, they can educate the public, but can't endorse partisan politics. Uh, and that's been applied to churches. But uh, there is a school of thought, and, and I, I favor that school of thought, uh, that churches are really not uh, bound by this. And those who attempt to hold the churches um, 
uh, uh, tax-exempt status uh, as, a, as, a, as a club over their heads, uh, probably are running afoul of Marbury versus Madison, which was... Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. Uh, in which John Marshall said the power to tax is the power to destroy, and the government does not have the authority to destroy or restrict uh, religious. Exactly. Religious. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's why churches have historically been tax-exempt, tax is because of that. And, and yet, here we have the Johnson Amendment that says, oh, you can have, be a 503C as long as you don't, you know, the, the, what we were talking about, endorse a candidate. And... Interestingly enough, there's a there's something called the 508. I was having this conversation with a pastor, Pastor Dan McGee, recently, because he's thinking of taking his church and just making it not for profit, but taking it off of 503, so that there are no government constraints on his church. I know there are other churches who have done that. I think Pastor Rick has taken the same stand with his church. That uh, we're not. A, yeah, Phil is shaking his head. Yes. That they're not a 503c, so he could say whatever he wants in the pulpit, which is exactly the way it should be. That's certainly the way our founding fathers saw with, uh, like, the Black Robe Brigade that we were talking about at breakfast this morning. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, um, I'm not sure well, how the 508 works. Go ahead, Phil. Well, the question I would have is, how uh, is the Catholic Church is so involved in in, in uh, sanctuary for illegals. Because that's an issue. But I mean, Pastor, uh, did you want to address that? Well, just that there's a complicated, um, there's a complicated uh, uh, law or tradition of laws behind the sanctuary movement. And uh, to my knowledge, it has not been uh, worked out in American courts. So it's it's more of a, a tradition in the Catholic uh, and in Roman law than it is in the English common law. Yeah, which is- yeah exactly. And uh, for instance, one of the reasons to be a tax-exempt church is so that basically when people give money to the church, they can claim it as a deduction. And I'm of the opinion that maybe some Christians should think hard about the tax deduction being so important to whether to giving to a work than uh, giving to the work itself. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. That's quite, so, uh, that's quite true. Uh, we, we sometimes try to motivate people with the wrong motives, uh, the idea that you're going to save on your taxes, you know, so... Um, yeah, that's, that's, it, it, actually, that's I'm just reminded... I could save 90% and not give it to the church at all, so... Yeah. Right. I'm reminded of uh, Jesus' famous words, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, unto God that which is God's. And, you know, I mean, hey, if you got to pay taxes on your money, it's income, well, that's fine. But you give God his due also, and don't worry about whether you get a rebate from the government on what you gave God. Well, it's an interesting legal question. Uh, I've, read, um, uh, I've, I've read Blackstone's... Uh, uh, commentary on English laws on this area, and of course in English law, the uh, your taxes support the church, and so the the disestablishment of the church means that public money no longer funds the religious establishment. Um, now to turn around and to uh, tax 
such establishments uh, is, is the converse. And I would argue that taxing churches is um, the kind of regulation uh, that is, that is uh, contrary to the spirit, if not the letter, of uh, the Constitution. Uh, oh, yeah, freedom of, freedom of religion, freedom from establishment of religion. Uh, you know, and then, of course, there's freedom of assembly, which would be a religious serv- service, which, of course, our uh, Governor Whitmer had no problem with quashing all of that freedom of assembly, freedom of worship, and, uh, you know, government overreach. Uh, the government is not our friend. I don't care who's in power. The government is not our friend. The government is there supposed to be enforcing the laws that our representatives uh, write in, in our name, not make dictates towards us or tell us we can't go to church or that uh, our church has to close. Um, yes, and, you, and um, the, it's odd. We have, uh, there's, a, there's a converse relationship between the number of laws and regulations we have, and how many of them actually get enforced efficiently. So we've got multiplying all kinds of regulations on firearms when if we would just enforce the law against murder and assault, um, we wouldn't have to worry about all these extraneous laws. And uh, the, the case histories of these mass shooters, a case in point. So many of them had run-ins with the law. So many of them uh, got slap on the wrist or just ignored or fell through the cracks or whatever. If we were more efficient with the existing laws, we wouldn't need these new regulations. Exactly. I'm reminded of the, uh, the concept of a hate crime as an adder to a crime or, you know, just, oh, yeah, that was a hate crime. Yep, yep, let's uh, give him another 10 years for that because of his, what we think is his motivation, which is like, are, are you kidding me? This, this, I... I don't think, I don't want a larger Supreme Court, but man, there's so many cases that need to hit the Supreme Court that would overwhelm 12 people or nine people. You know what I mean? It's, uh, mm-hmm. and yet there's so much to be done there. So much to be done to get our freedoms back. Well, that is problematic, you know, a hate crime. Uh, so now the jury is being asked to read somebody's heart and, um, yeah, I'm, that's, I'm that's, reminded, I think, yeah. was it a movie with Tom Cruise called Minority Report? Was that Tom Cruise or? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, we're basically the, yeah, oh, we think you're going to commit a crime, therefore we're going to arrest you in advance so you don't commit the crime. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful concept. We're, we're halfway there. We're more than halfway there. <laughs> yeah, when they, uh, when they disarm uh, people that have done absolutely nothing because somebody thinks that you know it's it's going to prevent something from happening no what could have prevented it the person that did do something if you had have acted when he did the first thing and did the right move instead of that they uh they they um like uh with the teenager that was wrestling with the cop and mopping the floor up with the cop, basically. Mm-hmm. And they turned him loose. You, don't you think he will be back? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, you get what you reward, huh? You let that <laughs> oh, go. Yeah. yeah, you let that go. Well, I guess that's okay. I'll do it again. Let's see what happens next time. Yeah, that's it's pathetic. It's, 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 
Well, of course, that's what George Soros is trying to do. He's trying to get all these DEAs in, and he has, that won't yeah. prosecute, will let people go. I mean, boy, finally, that, that guy who uh, um, uh, protected himself by knifing his assailant in that uh, what they call a bodega in New York City, yeah. he got off. Well, he's got lawyer's fees. That, that's ridiculous. The guy, you know, self-defense. Yeah. Um, well, here's, yeah. here's something that most people don't realize about American justice. It's not the punishment. It's the process. In our system, the process is the punishment. And uh, so when you get arrested, you know, you may... You may uh, you may be arrested for a crime and sentenced to 30 days in the House of Correction, but before you get to that 30 days, you've got months of litigation and lawyers' fees and mm-hmm. public relations headaches and loss of business and and uh, developing ulcers and all that sort of thing. Um, and January 6th comes to mind. All these people who are, and my guest on my show, who uh, told me that he will be on after all. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, isn't that same boat? So, uh, Dr. Zile, thanks for coming on, uh, joining us today. We have, uh, 15 seconds. What happened here? Is that the right sign, Derek? Oh my goodness. Folks, thanks for joining us. Moment of clarity. God bless America and America bless God. You've been listening to a moment of clarity on Wham Talk 1600 with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Be sure to tune in again next week right here on Wham Radio.